of course, isn't it? Uh, these words from Matthew's gospel and the words we've heard from Luke's gospel already this evening as well. And here Matthew uh, sets the scene for us. We have this young couple. They live in the town of Nazareth, Joseph and Mary. And they're in love. They're young and in love. And they are engaged. They're looking forward to their wedding day, however far away that might be at this stage. Maybe they're in the middle of being busy getting ready for it, making plans for the wedding day. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it, to plan a wedding. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had their hands full with all the plans for the the wedding day and married life and everything beyond that after their wedding day. But of course, as we know, everything gets thrown in the air for this young couple when one day Mary goes round to Joseph's house in order to see him. And she does so because she has news to tell Joseph. She drops this bombshell. The news is that she is pregnant. And Joseph, he's done his GCSE biology by this point. He's that this baby is not. And you can understand how he would feel, can't you, hearing this news of Mary's pregnancy. And so Mary tries to talk to him. She tries to explain. She tells him this story of how an angel had come to speak to her. And that this angel had told her that God, the Holy Spirit, would miraculously create a baby within her. And the angel had said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Joseph stands there listening to Mary telling him this story. And he thinks to himself, well, I'm not buying any of this. Mary has made a huge mistake. Uh, She's cheated. It's over. I'm ending the relationship. Now, to his great credit, uh, Joseph, even going through what he was going through at this point, uh, tries to make things as easy as possible for Mary. You could imagine uh, Joseph just flying off the handle with Mary at this point, couldn't you? But to his credit, that's not what he does. He wants to call off the engagement, which in those days required a a form of divorce to do so. And yet he doesn't want Mary to be publicly humiliated for this. And so he starts making plans for how he can try and divorce Mary in as quiet a way as possible. And it's whilst he's figuring out how on earth he's going to handle this crazy situation, that an angel comes to speak to him as well in a a dream this time. And the angel confirms that every word that Mary has told him is absolutely true. Matthew tells us, But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine Joseph uh, thinking to himself as this news uh, sinks in, but, but why is this the case? Even if, even if this story of the miraculous conception through the work of God, the Holy Spirit, even if that is true, then why is this happening? What is going on here? And you see, the next couple of sentences in this story from Matthew chapter 1 explains to us what is going on in this story. And I want you to see this evening that it is all explained in the two names that are given to the child in this story. If you're a parent, I wonder how you arrived at the name or the names that you chose for your children. There's different ways of going about it, isn't there? Maybe you name that child after someone in the family, a grandparent perhaps. Maybe you name the child simply because that was a name you liked and you've always liked it and you thought you'd give that name to your child. Or maybe it's the case that you picked that particular name because that name means something special. It has a, a meaning behind it. And you chose that name because you, you hope that your child will live up to that name in the years to come. And in the Bible, very often names are chosen and names are given. Not because of how they sound or perhaps not because of an ancestor, but because of what the names mean. And because of what that child will grow up to be and grow up to do. And that is certainly the case here. Notice that there are two names given to this child that Mary will give birth to. And both of those names are there to tell us something important when we look at the meaning of the names. And why this birth is so incredibly significant for them and for us and indeed for the whole world. I'm going to take the names in reverse order this evening. So we'll skip down to verse 22 and 23. And Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Matthew takes us back uh, 700 years. He takes us back to a prophet called Isaiah. It's the same guy who wrote those words that we heard right at the start of our service from Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going now to Isaiah 7, another one of Isaiah's famous Christmas prophecies. And we don't have time to go into all the, the details of what's going on there in Isaiah 7. But let's cut to the chase. This is what God prophesied through Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does that name Emmanuel mean? Well, Matthew spells it out for us, doesn't he? It means God with us. God with us. And Matthew is saying to us here, this incredible prophecy of Isaiah is coming true in the lives of Joseph and Mary and their family situation. 
because Mary, the virgin, has conceived. And it has happened through the miraculous work of God the Holy Spirit within her. And it's going to be a boy. She's going to have a son. And people will call this boy Emmanuel because he is God with us. So this first name, Emmanuel, tells us who the baby is. He is God with us. It really is an incredible thought, isn't it? I wonder if someone was to ask you out on the street one day, who do you say Jesus is? Who, in your opinion, is Jesus? I wonder how you might answer that question. Would you maybe say, well, uh, he was a, a good teacher? Or he's a, a fine moral example of how we all ought to love one another? Or he's some kind of religious leader, maybe even a prophet? And there's a sense in which, of course, all of those answers have a degree of truth to them. And yet, the Bible's answer, you see, goes far beyond all of those things, doesn't it? The Bible as a whole tells us what Matthew is telling us here. Jesus is God, and he's God with us. And it's the incredible truth that God the Son had existed forever and ever, fully God, uncreated, eternal, divine, in every way. And then at the first Christmas, this amazing miracle took place. That God the Son came into this world. God in heaven became God with us. In a way that he'd never been with us before. Now, of course, God is always present everywhere. And yet what was unique about this is that he came into the world as one of us. He drew close to us. He identified with us in the most close way possible. God the Son took to himself a human nature. He was born in this world just as we were. Of course, the conception was extraordinary, but the birth was ordinary. He came into the world like the rest of us. He became a human being. He entered our world. He became flesh and he dwelt amongst us. And as he lived on earth, he experienced all kinds of things that we experience ourselves in our human lives. Though, of course, he experienced it without any sin. And so he knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be hungry, sad, disappointed. He knows what it's like to have a heavy cold and be under the weather for a week. He knows what it's like to be let down by people, even by some of his closest loved ones. He knows what it's like to grieve. He knows what it's like to be at the funeral of a loved one who has died. And of course, he knows what it's like to suffer terrible pain, even death itself. And you know, people often think and people often say, well, if there even is a God out there... This God must be somewhat remote, tucked away safely up in heaven whilst we're down here on earth, left to, to struggle in this world of suffering, this world of pain. Now, why doesn't God step out of the shadows? Why doesn't he make himself clear for once? And you see, the Christmas message tells us something very different, doesn't it? This name, Emmanuel, it announces to us that Jesus is, in fact, God with us. God came into this world. 
And it begs a question, doesn't it? Well, why did he come into this world? What was the point of God the Son becoming a human being and being born on earth at that first Christmas? If someone turns up unexpectedly at your door, the first question you ask is, what are you doing here? You may not say it out loud, but that's what you're thinking, isn't it? Why have you come? And we should ask the same question of Christmas as well. If this is God turning up somewhat unexpectedly to us, why did he come? What is he here for? And to answer that question, we need to look at the other name that is given to the child in this story. The angel says to Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus simply means the Lord saves, or God to the rescue, if you like. And you see, the name Jesus tells us that this child is the one through whom God would save his people. Or save them from what, you might say? And the angel answers that question, doesn't he? He will save his people from sin. And we should ask, well, what is, what is sin then? What does that word mean? It's maybe not a word you use very much nowadays. What is sin? Or sometimes at this church, when we're speaking to the, the children in our morning service, as they, they gather here, we sometimes, if the topic of sin comes up, we have a little phrase that we use. It spells out the word sin, and it helps us remember what sin really is. The phrase is as follows, shove off God. I'm in charge. No to your rules. That's what sin is. Sin is not just doing or thinking or saying bad things. Of course, it includes that. But sin is actually much, a much deeper problem than that. Sin is an attitude towards God. Whereby you're saying to me in your heart, I don't want you in my life. I don't want to be accountable to you. I don't want to live by your rules. I don't want to worship you. And instead I want to live with myself in charge. I want to do things my way. I want to live life by my rules. I want to worship the things that I choose rather than worshipping you. And sin, you see, is this attitude of rebellion against the God who made us. Now, there are different ways, of course, that you can go about that sin. You can do that in a way that looks outwardly respectable. That is, you're living a, a decent life. And yet in that life, you are just turning a blind eye to God, blanking him, acting as if he's not there. And on the outside, you're, you're making it look very respectable in, in the way that you live, but blanking God nonetheless. Or you can pull out all the stops and you can be a nasty piece of work. And yet at the end of the day, it is this same attitude which says to God, shove off, I'm in charge, no to your rules. And it is something that we've all done. By nature, all of our hearts are like that, mine included. And the Bible says to us, there are consequences for that sin. Because however we live our lives, it doesn't alter the fact that there is a God who is there. We are accountable to him. And the fitting punishment for the way we've acted before this God is to be judged by him even forever. And this, says the angel, is the reason why God came into the world as the person Jesus. In order to be God with us. 
And he came into the world not to judge people, but to save people from their sin. And how did he do that? Well, he did that by going to the cross. And when he died there, he took upon himself all of the punishment that people like us deserve for our rejection of God. And so on behalf of his people, Jesus took the punishment for every evil thought, every wicked word, every sinful action that they have ever or will ever commit. All of it, every last bit of it, placed on Jesus in order to set his people free from it. So that if you belong to Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation for you whatsoever. Jesus has paid for it once and for all. And you see, don't you, that these two names given to this baby in this story explain to us, they sum up for us what Christmas really is all about. That this name Emmanuel shows us who the baby is. He is God with us. And the name Jesus shows to us why he came into the world. He came to save his people from their sin by dying on the cross for them. Well, that's the message that Joseph gets from the angel. And what will Joseph make of all of this? And as the story ends, we see that Joseph responds in two ways. First of all, he believes. Incredible though the message of the angel might sound to, to us and to him, Joseph believed it. He believed what God's word through God's messenger had to say about the child who's at the heart of this Christmas story. He believed that this child was indeed conceived by the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And that this was the child through whom God's promise of rescuing his people from their sin would come true. He believed those ancient prophecies of Isaiah that this child was in fact God with us. Emmanuel, God visiting earth as a human being. Joseph believed that message about Jesus. And how do we know that he believed it? We know he believed it for the simple reason that he obeyed it. That's the second part of his response, isn't it? He believed and then he obeyed. And just look at the last couple of sentences in this story. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she'd given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now the angel only asked Joseph to do two things. Number one, marry Mary. Number two, call the baby Jesus. And as the story ends, Joseph does exactly those two things, doesn't he? He believed and then he obeyed what God's word has to say. And this evening, as we spend these minutes thinking about this birth at the heart of the Christmas story, why it is just so significant, this is the right way to respond to it, isn't it? Joseph sets us a great example here, doesn't he? That firstly, incredible though it may sound at first to you, believe this message. Believe that Jesus really is Emmanuel. He's God with us. God the Son come to earth as a human being and then he lived and died and rose again and he is now ascended to heaven and now he rules over the universe from his throne in heaven and one day he'll return to this earth and believe that by dying on the cross out of amazing love 
for his people. He took every last drop of divine punishment that his people will ever deserve. He took it all upon his shoulders and did so to set his people free from it and to reconcile them to God and win them forgiveness and life forevermore. And having believed all of that, the next thing to do is to obey, just as Joseph did. That is, with God's help, seek to live a new life now, with God in charge, listening to what his word says, and living it out in your life. That's Christmas in a nutshell, isn't it, folks? This is why this birth really is like none other. Because Jesus is God with us. He came to save his people from their sin. And we're to respond to that by believing in him and then living in obedience to him. Let's pray together as we close. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful message of Christmas that you sent your son into the world as the person Jesus. And he came so that 33 years later, He could go to the cross and there he would pay the price for all of the sin of all of his people and do so once and for all so that we can be saved from it. And Father, wherever we might be at in our hearts this evening, help us all to respond in the right way to these things. Help us to believe in Jesus, believing what your word has to say to us about who Jesus is and why he came. And then having come to believe in him, Help us then to live changed lives in which we obey you from the heart. Our Father, we ask all of these things in the strong and the precious name of your Son and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.